Dionisio at the plate, he's over to today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's. Oh, it's raining now. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the show where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And I'm Jack Swakowski. Uh, it's uh, Thanksgiving time. This is our special Thanksgiving episode. Um, so we're going to be discussing some things that we are thankful for uh, in baseball. Um, but before we get into that, it is episode number 145. So we got to talk about our number 145 guys. Jack, who do you have? Well, I naturally picked Carlos Gomez, who finished his career with 145 home runs. Um, he uh, bounced around with a lot of teams, but his most famous years are with the Brewers from 2010 to the middle of 2015, uh, before he was traded in a trade that I believe netted the Brewers' Josh Hader, if I'm not mistaken. Let me uh, let me see let me see about that. Let me confirm that real quick here. Yeah, uh, you got you got to stroll stroll quite a ways down. Yep, yeah. They, so they got they traded him and Mike Fires, whistleblower Mike Fires, <laughs> uh, to the uh, to the Astros for Josh Hader, Adrian Hauser, Brett Phillips, and Domingo Santana. Damn, man. The uh, I guess the Astros really must have wanted Carlos Gomez and Mike Fires to give up those four guys. Oh, um, wow. That you know, yeah. and Mike Fires has always been persona non grata because that was coming off of him hitting fucking Giancarlo Stanton in the face and then yelling at the Marlins dugout about it. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, the guy's just a you know he's just an asshole. Um, but yeah. man, the that was a great trade for the Brewers. They got Josh Hader and Adrian Hauser, who are both guys for them now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Domingo Santana was okay for them for a you know a couple of years, and and Brett Phillips. Uh, is now a fan favorite in, in Tampa Bay, but yeah, so that's true. Yeah. That makes me actually like Carlos Gomez even more that they got a, <laughs> that they got a good ass return return on him. Um, he's a Brewers fan favorite. Uh, he's one of those players that you love him if he's on your team and you hate him if he's, uh, if he's not, he's kind of the Brewers. He was kind of the Brewers version of Javi Baez. I think um, he played with a lot of emotion uh, he had a, he had a strange career. He was one of those guys who they always said like, oh man, like this guy's got so much potential, but he's he just doesn't realize it. Like he can do everything, and he he could basically do everything. He could run, he could field, he could throw, he could hit, hit for power. He was a five tool player, um, and for a couple of years with the Brewers in 2013 and 14, those were his two All Star seasons. He he did do everything. Um, he had 20 plus homers, uh, about 40 steals. He hit 284, um, and he won a Gold Glove one of those years. So uh, for a few years there, he put it together. It didn't last long. Um, he was basically he basically had two good years in the major leagues out of 12. Um, it seems like his peak was it lasted longer than that, but it sure didn't. Um, uh, yeah, started with the Mets, played with the Twins a little bit, the Brewers, the Astros, the Rangers the Rays, and then he fit, he actually played up until 2019 with the New York Mets, uh, didn't even get 100 at-bats that year. Uh, and he famously got in a fight with, who was it, the Braves? Uh, it was, uh, I think it was the Pirates' uh, Garrett uh, Cole, wasn't it? Or yeah, was there a, yeah, yeah, is, okay. Is there a different one? <laughs> uh, you know, you know what? There, there, that is a different one. Yeah. So Garrett Cole, like he, him and Garrett Cole, started yelling at each other after Gomez got to third on a triple or something. Um, and then there was another one where Gomez rounded the, like he hit a home run and yeah, then he just rounded right. the bases and then Brian McCann got in his face about it. Right. Um, right. 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 So yeah, he was he was definitely a guy who started a lot of shit. Uh, he thought he was good. Like he thought he was really good. Um, everybody always said he he could be, but he he definitely always thought he was. Um, the type of guy who like Javi Baez would swing and, you know, he'd swing so hard his helmet would fly off or he'd fall down. Uh, he was fun to watch though. Um, and you know, I, I liked him. He was good with the Brewers and they got a good return for him. He was also involved, um, in, uh, traded, uh, by the Mets to the twins for Johan Santana also. So, oh, um, wow. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was, um, a part of a trade as well. So, uh, and he was traded by the Twins to the Brewers for J.J. Hardy. So this guy uh, has a long track record of of of, strain, of like trades going. Uh, um, <clears throat> it's pretty cool when like you think about it. Like, okay, so like Johan Santana, like it's kind of like six degrees of Kevin Bacon through trades, right? And so like Johan Santana is still like alive in the league because <laughs> Josh Hader is still pitching, you know, in some weird yeah. way. Yeah. 
Um, no, that yeah, very true. Very, definitely an interesting Hall of Fame case, Yohan Santana. Yeah, and then it'll be interesting to see who the Brewers get when they trade Josh Hader this uh, offseason. Oh yeah, I mean you know who, who knows? <laughs> maybe that maybe maybe it'll happen. Um, you maybe. know, definitely. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, would maximize his value. Hey, the the shelf life of a closer, as we talked about last week with John Axford, is not long. Hader has actually lasted quite a quite a lot longer than most closers do. Um, yeah. So I would, I would, with the return that they maybe could get for him this year, if they sell sell as high as they can on him, um, I would be down for that. Uh, it could happen. I feel like they they did have to kind of like use him a little more because of the uh, Devin Williams situation this year. So um, yes, definitely. Yeah, it, hard to say, but um, but yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Carlos Gomez never did too much for me. Um, <laughs> I didn't hate him or anything, but like, it was always like that guy's not that good. <laughs> like he like sure you know the average was never really there. Um, it seemed like, um, I guess he, I guess he, he was in the two eighties a couple of years in those two good years as well. So, um, but you know, um, I don't even, I wonder how much damage he did against the Cubs. I don't remember him doing much damage against the Cubs. So, okay. Yeah. I'm not sure, but yeah. Interesting yeah. Uh, career. One thing that's weird about his career is in 2017 and 2018, when he was just a part-time player, has probably played about half the time. He led the American League in hit by pitches both years. <laughs> yeah, nineteen hit, yeah, nineteen hit by pitches in one hundred and five games with Texas, and then twenty one in one hundred and eighteen games with Tampa Bay in two thousand eighteen. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of an anomaly. That's pretty weird. Yeah, for sure. Um, playing around Anthony Rizzo so long, maybe he uh, picked that up from him. But, <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, Carlos nice. Gomez. Well, who do you who do you have? Yeah, so my 1980 or uh, well, my uh, 145 guy is uh, former left-handed pitcher Bruce Hurst. Nice. I, I kind of almost thought you might pick that guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to go back to his actual baseball reference page because I drifted off of that. He was a big lefty. Um, so I remember Bruce Hurst like as a little kid. Um, just kind of, I remember him from baseball cards, but uh, he just seemed kind of like a, a dependable. Um, you know, strong pitcher. Um, like I said, big lefty, 6'4", 200 pounds um, from St. George, Utah. I wonder wonder how many players are from Utah. Um, mm-hmm. He was drafted uh, 22nd overall in 1976 out of high school. Um, so I think uh, that's another one that's interesting. Didn't, uh, you know, for, for went for for goad uh, college at that point. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was kind of just like a – a solid guy for many years, um, mostly known as a Red Sox, uh, you know, as he was drafted by them and uh, was with them until 1989 where he went to the Padres and spent some years there, bounced around to the Rockies and to the um, the Rangers to close his career. But, um, you know, mostly like his big years were in the 80s. Um, his career numbers with the Red Sox, well, he, he finished with a 423 ERA with the Red Sox, uh, 392 overall, though. ERA. Um, so he, he went to the Padres and actually did pretty well for himself. Um, I guess the main thing that uh, he's known for, um, I, I don't know if that's the main thing he's known for, but one thing that, that like he kind of crossed my radar recently is that he started Game 7 of the 1986 World Series against the Mets, um, which oh, wow. they would ultimately go on to lose. Uh, the Red Sox would go on to lose to the Mets. Um, but... Uh, if you look at the um, the box score of that game, he pitched six innings and gave up three runs. I think he left the let's see where they. Um, I think he uh, he left with the lead, um, and uh, I think Kelvin Chiraldi came in and gave up three runs. I I I'd have to I'd have to double check that, but I think Kelvin Chiraldi came in and gave up the rest of those runs. But um, um, or maybe not. No, I guess he gave up the three runs. Maybe they should have pulled. They they left him in one inning too long. I'm sure he was probably pretty beat at that point, uh, pitching in Game Seven. But um, yeah, you know the the the, the Red Sox or the uh, Red Sox were going to lose that game. But um, but yeah, Bruce Hurst was kind of always a guy. Um, you know, slightly before my time, but I, I remember the the tail end of his career. Um, and uh, yeah, figured I'd go with him here for 145. Nice, Jeremy. Um, I was trying. It looks like if my uh, 
if my the report I ran on our uh, our little you know our little search engine here is correct, it looks like there have been maybe a, a little over forty players all time who are from the state of Utah. Oh, okay. There you so go. So that's more than that's more than you'd think, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably. Well, it's crazy. I mean, you know, when you think about it, like, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a considering how many players have played in the big leagues. Forty is a pretty small number, but. It um, is, yeah. But I couldn't name another one, so you know. I, I, suppose, I, I wonder if all those guys played like in the in the early 1900s or something when, uh, you know, they just they picked guys maybe by proximity or something. Like it was easy to 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 get guys on a train or something. I don't know, but um, but yeah. So that's uh, yeah, Utah. I don't know. We'll have to keep our eyes out for more Utah guys in the future. Yeah, right. Uh, his full name, it says, according to baseball reference, is Bruce V. Hurst. Yep. V is spelled V-E-E. Yeah, I saw That's that. strange. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have not seen that name. I wonder if, I've, I wonder if I'm like, was there, I think there may, there's probably like a defensive back in football whose name was like V or something, but I don't <laughs> know for sure. But yeah, I know. That's an interesting one. Um, yeah, you, yeah. You ever see V for Vendetta, Jeremy? I didn't. No. Okay. All right. Well, Guy there Fox. you go. <laughs> um, yeah, his numbers look pretty good. Uh, um, you know, it, it just goes with my theory that if a guy plays long enough, he'll probably make at least one All Star team. Bruce Hurst did. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Ten complete games in 1989. Like he would have made headlines for that. Fifteen complete games in 1987. He didn't even lead the league. He didn't yeah. even lead his his own league. So that just shows you how much the game has changed. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So just a workhorse guy. Um, and yeah, that was coming off of the year where the the Red Sox went to Game Seven of the World Series. So um, <laughs> you know, no need to rest him uh, coming off of that. <laughs> That, that year, just fucking run him into the ground again for for one more year. Nice. I like it. Um, and once again, Jeremy, this guy kind of, um, you know, completely, I, I, just, I don't remember him at all. So okay. once again, we have the we have the age difference there going for us. I, I feel like we might have talked about him briefly or like his name came up, like I think when we did the 93 Rockies. Is that, would that make sense? Or was that? Um, yeah, or, that, that may, I mean, he was on that team. It makes sense. Could have been. Yeah, or maybe I just remember seeing that at that point, and not, I think I might have said like I don't remember him as a Rocky, but um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, like I said, his, his name kind of came up because um, uh, I was recently watching the um, ESPN Thirty for Thirty. Um, once what's it called? Once upon a time in New York, in Queens, in Queens, um, about the '86 Mets, which uh, was a pretty fun series to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, I finally fin- finally finished it, Jack. I think it I think it came up maybe a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Yeah, uh, I I really liked it. Um, it's one of the one, definitely one of the better thirty for thirties that ESPN has done. I would you know would highly recommend it if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it. Yeah, for sure. A lot of you know they talked to Lenny Dykstra, um, Kevin Mitchell, Davey Johnson is really cool. Um, I've been meaning to send in a card. He signs through autographs through the mail, and I have this. He 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 was on the Cubs his like maybe his last year in baseball and I I want to get him to sign this Cubs card so um I've been meaning to do that so I think seeing him in that in that uh, in that special makes me want to get his autograph. Nice, Wally Backman is in it too. Oh yeah. Um, then they interview him like his talking head sec- sessions are like outside of a trailer where he's been fishing, <laughs> which is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, yeah, I I. Yeah, def- Wally Backman is definitely that kind of guy um, who would like be like, "Yep, you can interview me, but you gotta come up to the lake because I'm gonna be fishing <laughs> that day." Um, but uh, of course, Wally Backman with the great uh, rant video where he's mic'd up. Yeah, um, and he he calls the uh, he calls the umpire. He says uh, he says uh, you know the umpire says uh, I'll put it in my report because Wally Backman wants to know what he said to get himself ejected, and then he says that, and then Wally Backman goes. You can take your fucking report and stick it up your fucking ass, you little fucking pipsqueak. Um, and what's funny is he calls the, the umpire a pipsqueak, but he's actually shorter than the umpire. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> um, yeah, so many personalities on that, Matt. I can see why it took them four episodes to, to tell that story. But um, I, did come a, I did come away liking Ray Knight a lot more. Um, I didn't really – I thought he was kind of just a bland kind of guy, but um, uh-huh. he was kind of like a – 
a, a minority leader in that team, I would say a little bit, kind of like a fringe leader for that for that squad. Yeah, definitely. And and Mike Scott, the uh, Astros pitcher, yeah. came up uh, came up a number of months ago. Um, but it it turned out that he uh, <laughs> he was he was scuffing the ball probably. Yeah. It, it, definitely, um, if you ask the Mets, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his stuff looked filthy. Um, and it's if that that series ended up going six games, if it would have gone seven, Scott would have pitched again for the Astros, and the Astros probably would have won. Uh, my favorite um, part of this, and I think I told you this, Jeremy, um, one of my favorite parts of the whole thing was Roger Angel was like, yeah, and the, the Astros had that terrifying pitcher. Um, like I, just, I just like how they refer to Mike Scott as a terrifying pitcher because that, that is really how the documentary paints him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. It made it seem like the Mets couldn't get anything off of him, and they couldn't. Um, Gary Carter especially was yelling at the umpires, asking him to check the ball. They never did. Um, Gary Carter, too, I think, uh, kind of really uh, underappreciated guy on that team. I don't think they would have made the World Series without him. He didn't seem to be super popular in the clubhouse. But uh, I like that they call him Kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I I, I think I, I kind of always loved Gary Carter as, like, an outside kind of guy. And the tragedy that he, you know, he died pretty young, relatively speaking, um, just kind of adds to that lore a little bit. It is funny to kind of see – the the Giants or the um the uh, Mets essentially kind of shit on Gary Carter a little bit for being yeah. for oh, not yeah. being like a drug user alcoholic. <laughs> it's like it's like the guy was clean as a whistle and they resented him for it, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> that that tells you how the rest of the team was, um, which is also why I'm like, okay, well the '86 Mets say that Mike Scott scuffed the ball, but you know I'm not sure if I can take that as Bible truth. Um, <laughs> it really, I, I got it. It definitely makes Keith Hernandez look like not just the man, but like the baseball man. It seems like he's like, he's like the unsung baseball genius, um, which, um, is, is, is cool. Like I always liked Keith Hernandez. Um, it made, it gave me like a whole new appreciation of him. Um, he's, you know, he's an interesting guy, you know, uh, he, he said some, a couple things that have been a little weird, uh maybe inappropriate. Um, but he's kind of just that guy. He's kind of just like an old school kind of guy, but he also like, he talked about being like, he, he kind of like was in his feels a little bit at times, like getting a little like emotional, like, um, he's like petting his cat through the thing. So he's like a, he's a complex kind of guy. I don't know. Yeah, no, he definitely is. Yeah. He had some complicated relationships with his, his family members. Uh, and then I, I enjoyed every, every second of Lenny Dykstra's interviews, even though they were not really coherent, um, you know, that one I liked where he's like, yeah, you, you win a World Series in New York. Like, you're you're famous, man. You're like uh, the guy who sailed in that, that boat. And then the, the guy behind the camera's like, Columbus? And then he's like, yeah, yeah man, yeah. History. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant, though. But then you hear him talk about baseball or what's, what pitchers threw to him at specific times or what different guys did. Um, and, like, yeah, you could, you could talk to, even though this guy just has a drug-addled brain, just years of you know drug abuse and and you know other very like not paying prostitutes for their their work and whatever else whatever else he, he did washes. that was <laughs> yeah yeah so he uh but just just years of just being a terrible person but you could sit down and talk baseball with this guy and it would be a really interesting conversation yeah totally um so yeah it's pretty it's pretty crazy um but uh, but yeah, so uh, so yeah, we we wanted to just touch base there, and it ties into Bruce Hurst, so we figured we'd uh, you know, give a little hit on it really quick. But uh, that was maybe one of the longer, uh, you know, number uh, things at the top of the episode. But uh, we folded in a little, little mess well, there. Yeah, and and it'll be a probably a shorter episode overall. Um, a couple a couple of other things before we get started with what uh, our thankful list. Um, is uh, the the White Sox signed Kendall Graveman to I think a three year two twenty four million dollar deal? Yeah, that's that's uh, I believe the the reported numbers. It just kind of broke a little bit before we started recording. Um, it's weird that Kendall Graveman is a guy who's worth that much money. Um, if you recall, Cubs fans, uh, Kendall Graveman was on the Cubs like last year or two or not last year, but uh, in twenty twenty maybe or. Something they signed oh, man. him. Okay. They signed him as like a re- recovering. I don't know if he was recovering from Tommy John, but and I don't think he ever m- pitched in the majors. But he was, they, they he was in the Cubs uh, system at some point, and they kind of just let him go at the end of the year. And then he had like a great year for the Astros. Like, go figure the the Mariners and the Astros. Uh, so, um, and now he's worth I guess eight million dollars a year. 
Well, it's strange because uh, the White Sox have all these arms in the bullpen, and now they just they picked up another one, and I'm sure he'll just be misused by Tony Larusa. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, they'll they'll throw him in in like the fifth inning or something. Um, probably. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I was actually wondering if they were going to try to put him in the rotation. Um, yeah, he used to be a starter. Yeah. Um. So who knows? Um. It's interesting. He only appeared in two games for the Cubs minor league system, I guess. I don't know. Um, but he, he he did pass through the Cubs system in 2019. Um, I guess he was re- recovering maybe that year and then just made it back for two games, and then they, they let him go. Um, but, yeah, had really good numbers this year. And, um, yeah, it's kind of – it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, a what was it, Brandon Morrow situation mm-hmm. um, where he, like, you know, just had, like, a good year and then, like – um, out of the pen and then um, uh, signs his contract. Um, so hopefully he appears in more more games for the White Sox than Brandon Morrow did for the Cubs. I think he appeared in like fucking like 15 games or something. But and he uh, was mostly terrible. Yeah, uh, he was maybe good for like like three weeks or something, and then like <laughs> just like then he just kept getting injured. And uh, when the Cubs were making a push at the playoffs, just couldn't get back on the field, which it's not like they needed him or anything. Um, so. So yeah, so thanks Brandon Morrow, um, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, it's a it's a w- interesting one for uh, for the White Sox. Um, I don't know what they're gonna do because um, I guess they have at least one spot open in the rotation, right? Because of Rodon. So mm-hmm. you figure it's gonna be Crochet or or um, uh, Kopech going into that spot, but who the hell knows with 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 the White Sox. Right. No, definitely. Um, the Cubs. The Cubs signed. Uh, I saw. Did they sign Harold Ramirez? They actually traded for Harold Ramirez. Um, but yeah, Harold Ramirez is now a Cub. Um, so they traded him for cash considerations. I actually think the um, the Indians DFA'd him. So it was one of those things where like, I I never really know like what the thought process is there. But instead of letting him pass through waivers, the Cubs. I guess they didn't want to expose him to waivers. They just wanted to get him. So Cubs traded for Harold Ramirez. So. Um, I guess he's uh, he'll be in the outfield mix for for next year. Um, his numbers in 2019 were kind of okay, but um, only played in three games in the pandemic year. And then this year, um, I don't know. He had 268 in 99 games. Um, I mean, the Cubs. Who are the Cubs? Who are the 2022 Cubs to not give Harold Ramirez a shot? You know, right. Um, that's not a bad. That's not a bad guy to have on on your spring training roster if you're a rebuilding team. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see. And they showed some kind of his like some of his like um, <clears throat> kind of fringe numbers. And I don't know. I forget what they are now. But um, I think he had good like rundown speed on fly balls or something. I don't know. Um, so there's some some kind of like oddball numbers that uh, the guys crunched and thought like hey we need harold ramirez so i don't know we'll see we'll see what he does next year i'm sure me and jack will see him in a game and make fun of him so uh you know yeah, we can look i'm, I'm sure i'm sure jeremy will end up with his autograph somehow too. <laughs> that's too uh you know it's actually funny because i have i don't have an autographed card of him i don't think but i have this like kind of variation card uh from this set that i got from a pack or something and i was like ah fuck like harold ramirez like this sucks and i even think it might actually be on eBay right now, and I've had it listed for like two plus years. So now it's like, oh, okay, cool. He's a Cub now, so I can keep the card, I guess. Or I don't have to worry <laughs> about selling it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I probably will end up with his autograph. So we'll see. Nice. Yeah. Well, very good. Like you said, Jeremy, I'm sure we'll see him uh, next year. Uh, so should we get to our five things? Uh, do we talk about Wander Franco? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's cra- kind of kind of crazy. He signed a two hundred plus million dollar deal like two years after we got his autograph. Yeah, right. And um, if you recall, so yeah, Wander Franco signs like this um, major extension. He's on the verge of signing it. That's like, I think they say at the minimum, it can pay like 180 something million. And at the max, it could pay 223 million. So, I mean, crazy extension, um, but it's something that happens now in baseball. And um, <clears throat> it's kind of crazy that the Rays have that money, like literally have that money to, to pay the guy, even though it's going to be over how how many years, Jack? Was it 
Um, I think it's 12. I think 12? it's 12. So Crazy, he'll be 30, man. 32 when he's a free agent, which wow. is kind of, kind of nuts to, nuts to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if I was a Rays fan, first of all, I'd be kind of frustrated that it, maybe, maybe they had all that money the whole time and they were just <laughs> never, never spending it. It's twice as much over twice as much as their richest contract, which was Evan Longoria. I believe it was six years, a hundred million, um, or some, or, or thereabouts, uh, yeah, but they're saying that maybe one of the reasons, or this is a theory, that the Rays decided to spend that money was because there's going to be a salary floor next year in MLB uh, mm-hmm. after the new, um, you know, the new collective bargaining CBA, agreement yeah. is put in place. Yeah, so if there's a salary floor, maybe the Rays figured, hey, uh, if we're going to have to spend money, we might as well do it locking up, uh, locking up this guy. So, yeah. you know, that, that it doesn't seem like a bad deal, and I think it's a good deal for both sides, too, because Wander Franco would have been, been making nothing until he was eligible for arbitration. He would have made, like, $500,000 next year. So this is, this is a way for him to get some security. And with the way baseball contracts are, if he turns into a superstar, uh, this is a good deal for the Rays, too, because they have him yeah. through all his prime years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a club-friendly deal right now. And, um, uh you know, or well, in the long term, I should say. Uh, right now, it's good for Wander, um, <clears throat> but he looked pretty damn good last year. Um, I'm kind of bummed that he didn't win the Rookie of the Year, um, but I just don't think he was up uh, long enough for for them to vote for him. But uh, but yeah, um, so yeah, we when we saw him a couple years ago in, in uh, South Bend, um, he kind of he kind of was carrying himself like a like a two hundred million dollar player, <laughs> right? Yeah, he was. He had an entourage. Yeah, he certainly was entourage he was wearing chains uh he was walking he was walking around with his chest puffed out yeah. uh and hey you know what he he uh as eric estrada would say uh he walks the talk so <laughs> <laughs> except he eric estrada said that about he, tammy faye some some celebrity named tammy faye and it was like he said it because according to him she really is all about jesus you know yeah so, oh yeah oh you don't know tammy faye baker jack no, she's, who's Tammy? Is that a, is she a singer? No, she's like, no, she's a, uh, a a famous religious person. Like she she was like married to this like um, evangelical preacher uh, Jim Baker, and uh, I don't even know. She's slightly before my time, but I kind of remember her. But um, uh, she just wore the crazy makeup and just like just like looked like just like. Just like like some kind of crazy over makeup, over jewelry like f- looking woman, and like I think they um, I think they got like busted for like embezzling money from their church or something. Um, so they're you know uh, <laughs> definitely shamed uh you know former religious people and uh, yeah I guess she was in that uh, the surreal life with uh with Eric Estrada. <laughs> Yeah, hey, I was gonna say for an off-season episode, we should just watch an episode of the Surreal Life with oh, uh, with Eric Estrada from that season. <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. That would that would be pretty funny. Um, it would be I painful, like it. but yeah. <laughs> um, all right, all right. Should we jump into our uh, five things we're thankful for? Yeah, let's do it. We we wanted to uh, to hit you with an episode this week, um, albeit uh, a short one, and um, so we figured in the in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we'll, we would uh, talk about five things because a couple of guys like us, you know, we are always expressing our gratitude and our uh, humility uh, towards baseball and, and life and other people in general. We figured mm-hmm. we would do it a, a just a, a Thanksgiving episode, just to just kind of sum it all up in one spot. So so that's what we're doing this week. Beautiful. Um, you want to go first, Jeremy? Yeah, sure. Um, so one thing that I'm thankful for in baseball, um, well, I'm going to say uh, the first thing on my list is just uh, the Sox being the Sox. Um, okay. I'm thankful for. And that basically means is that they were probably one of the odds on favorite to win the World Series this year. Um, yet they were still, they still, it was still turned into kind of like a clown show at times. Like, f- first of all, hiring, tw- it's like you couldn't have been more White Sox than being like having this window open up where like you're going to be like one of the top contenders in the American League and then you sign a fucking dinosaur to manage your team because of some like, made to make good on something that happened like 20, 27 years ago, you know, 30, 35, 35 years ago, 35, 86. Okay. There you go. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, 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 that's right. Of course. Um, so like, so yeah, uh, it's like, 
it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how like good the actual Sox team is. They're still going to be the Sox. And uh, I'm thankful for that because it gives us a lot of material and a lot of yucks. So, well, yeah, it, you're right. It did turn into a clown show. Uh, just the whole year mean Mercedes fiasco. Yes. Like what's what's yeah what's more White Sox uh, than that? It's perfect. Um, like you said, Jeremy Rick, Rick Hahn spent like three or four years building this perfect team. They were all they were a managerial hire away from really being a serious contender. Um, and then they went and did that. It was it was very White Sox. Yeah, Jack, what would have happened if Ricky Renteria was managing this team, the, that White Sox team with Yermin Mercedes? Like, I wonder how long Yermin Mercedes would have stuck around the team in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mer- uh, Ricky would have just probably smiled when Yermin <laughs> hit that bomb. Yeah, and for he, sure. He, he certainly wouldn't have advocated for the Twins to throw at Mercedes. Right, exactly. Um, speaking um, of that 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 situation, Jack, uh, I did see that um, uh, the the um, the Twins DFA Williams Ostadio. Did they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's man. I don't think it, I'm not sure if it's one of those things where they might bring him back, you know, like somehow, or he might clear waivers and remain with the team. But I think he's, I think he's gone. I think he's, I think he might be gone from the uh, Twins at this point. When you know, he's one of those guys where he only exists because of this this specific franchise. I couldn't see Williams Ostadio getting picked up by anybody. I don't. Yeah, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what, what could you happen. You know what this is? This is karma for you yelling at him and him kind of blowing you off. Yeah, sure. That's right. If he would have signed my autograph, um, he, he'd still be uh, – he, he'd, I'm sure they would have re-signed him. So. Why not, right? And you called him Willie, too, which was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Williams, is, is, Williams is too awkward to yell at somebody. Well, maybe next year he might be out there with us if he doesn't pick, catch on. With <laughs> yeah, guys. he'll be the he'll be the security guard saying like, "Hey, hey, you guys should come over. You guys can make some money doing this." Right, right. Yeah, he would be the guy who did his job badly and told us to <laughs> not leave and to actually hound the guys for more autographs and sell them <laughs> immediately. Yeah, exactly. Oh um, man, that guy that guy should have been working at Guaranteed Rate, man. Good lord. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he was on loan. Um, nice. But uh, very cool. Okay, Jack, what do you got? Yeah, uh, so I was thinking, like, baseball statistic-wise, um, what's my favorite baseball statistic that I would be thankful for? And uh, mine is 100 walks in a season. I'm always uh. thankful when someone gets 100 walks in a season. I think that's just, like, the best stat ever. Like, just, I mean, what, what is a more mahogany-inducing stat than 100, <laughs> 100 walks in a season? It's hard to do. You know who led, who, you know who led the league in walks this year? Um, was, not, was it not Joey Votto? No. No, no, it was your boy Juan Soto. Ah, okay, okay, I he like had, that. He, he had 145 walks this year. Wow, wow, Jesus! God I know damn it. that's insane. If he could have turned so a couple fun. more of those into hits, maybe I would. Maybe I would have won a couple hundred bucks. Damn yeah, it. And it was, but that's, that's, that's what you. Good, though. You gotta love, love, love this guy, man. He's 22 years old. He's yeah. had two seasons with 100 plus walks. This guy could, you know, he could potentially have more walks than Barry Bonds by the time he's done um yeah that's insane uh hard to do though especially in this day and age getting 100 walks walks were always a very un uh, underappreciated stat i don't even think they started appearing on baseball cards until like the early to mid 80s just no nobody nobody cared about walks but you know smart players like joe morgan would always draw over 100 of them uh you know because a walk is as good as a hit only three guys did it this year in baseball it was soto bryce harper and joey gallo yeah. Um, that was it. So you know, if if only two or three guys in the whole league can are doing something, uh, that's pretty special. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that's it's just crazy that he had so many. He had thirty four more walks than the second place guy. I mean, that's that's wild too. That's always yeah. That's always something too when you can outpace the second place guy by that much of a difference. Um, that's pretty significant also. Yeah, so we, you know, we we probably didn't mention Juan Soto for the first three years of this podcast, but <laughs> try got to try to find more excuses to bring him up. So yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, cool. Did you? Uh, well, okay, yeah, I'll go with my next one then. Yeah. Um, kind of in the similar vein uh, for for a lot of these, but um, so my uh, next one, I'm trying to think because I kind of feel like these are kind of overlapping a little bit, but uh, I'm just gonna say. Um, I'm thankful for the MLB network. Um, okay. 
just in general, like kind of all, all time, like always thankful for them. But, um, they, uh, they showed a couple Arizona fall league games, uh, this, this, um, this year. And, uh, you know, when you speak of mahogany and baseball, uh, <laughs> look no further than the, com- the combination of Jeremy and Arizona fall league, of course. Oh God. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so they showed the fall stars game, which is their all-star game. Um, and they showed the, um, AFL championship game, which, um, I, you know, it was the surprise Saguaros versus the Mesa solar Sox, I think. Um, but the Mesa solar Sox is the team where all the Cubs prospects are on. So if we haven't talked about this before, um, if we haven't explained how it works, the Arizona fall league, um, each there's like six teams and each team, uh, has, uh, like a handful of prospects from like five or six different teams. Um, so those, let's say six teams send like six prospects over and then that makes up the whole roster of like one team. And so the Cubs are part of the Mesa solar Sox, and the Cubs have a lot of prospects right now. And they have a lot of prospects in the Arizona fall league. Um, the shortstop that we saw in South Bend, Luis Vasquez is there. Um, and it was like looking, looking like he was holding his own uh, amongst all those guys. Uh, but the starter uh, for the Cubs uh, for that Mesa solar Sox team was Caleb Killian who came over in the Chris Bryant trade, and he threw six uh, perfect innings in the championship game. So um, you can't feel much better about a Cubs prospect than watching him go do that against like other top prospects in baseball. So it was pretty awesome to watch. I watched it uh, live um, Friday night, I think it was. Um, and, and he looked good doing it too. Like he didn't look like a, a chump or like some, he's not like a fucking short guy. Who's like, you know, defying all odds by being good. He just looks like a tall right-handed, like solid pitcher. So I'm hoping that, uh, it seems like he could maybe make the Cubs this year at some point. So it, uh, as a guy who, um, you know, you know, is, is likes prospects and likes the Cubs, um, it was pretty cool to see. So I th- I'm thankful that the MLB Network uh, exists and that they're showing uh, Arizona Fall League games. I-, I can't remember if you ever mentioned this on the podcast. Have you have you been to the Arizona Fall League? <laughs> I didn't mention that this time, Jack. So that that doesn't count. You know, I I made no mention of actually being there and the stadium and all those things. But um, but uh, so I'm not going to count this one. This is just a general appreciation. Nice, nice, very good. Uh, yeah, they, they were saying that, uh, you know, eventually you might just be able to independently get uh, MLB Network for like $20 or something or not. Or, or you might be able to stream your own team's games for that much or they wouldn't have blackouts or something. I don't know. They're thinking of changing the way that they do t- yeah, baseball and TV. Local, definitely, yeah, local games. I think they're looking to do that. Um, I kind of... I'm not 100% sure if you get MLB Network if you have MLB TV, but, um, but yeah, uh, so I'm not sure about that one. I, I think you have to sign in with your cable provider. I know that I'm paying for a higher cable package just to get the MLB Network, but um, I digress. Mm. If for sure. Um, well, yeah, okay, that's a, that's a good one, Jeremy. Mine is kind of in a similar vein to that. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for baseball reference. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, baseball references. Just if you're a if you're a baseball fan, or even if you're a sports fan, because they have basketball reference and they have football reference. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not quite as good as baseball reference, but they're there. Um, if you're a baseball fan, you can just spend hours getting lost in a rabbit hole of looking at statistics. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've just been bored on the CTA, like the last five minutes of my commute. You just look at a player's, look up a random player's stats and say, oh man, this guy did this during this year. It's terrific. You can find, you can find anything on there. It's, it's really, really a great website. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's awesome. Um, uh, I don't, I know I did kind of dump on baseball reference a couple weeks ago because of their ads. Um, I, that's still kind of annoying me a little bit, but, um, I, it's the only negative thing I've said about baseball reference ever. Um, it's a, it's an awesome site and, uh, yeah, it's for, for a couple of guys like us. It's, um, it's essential. Yeah, exactly. It's bookmark material I, for sure. It is. It is. And I'm a little surprised. Hopefully they're not, nobody from baseball references listening to this, but I mean, Hey, I would, I would pay for a subscription to that <laughs> website, you know, like I, I would I, probably pay like 10 bucks a year. I know. Um, yeah. Um, ten bucks a year seems doable for sure. <laughs> let's let's hope they don't let's hope they don't start charging. Let's hope they don't hear that. But yeah. there are there are definitely you know nerds like us out there. Lots of them, I think, who would pay to use Sports Reference. So 
hopefully yeah. they don't do that yes i know yeah yeah let's hope not i guess i guess keep those annoying ads coming that way we don't have to pay um, right well this one um kind of uh this is kind of in the same vein but i wanted to make it its own thing but um i uh i am thankful jack for uh keith law specifically uh, okay. As a baseball writer, and it's it mostly because he talks about prospects. I uh, and and I know we're talking about. I, I just talked about prospects in the last one, but in general, like MLB pipeline, uh, I appreciate um, with Jonathan Mayo and um, uh, I can't remember the other guy now. God damn it, he's based in Chicago. I want to work for him one day. <laughs> um, uh, Jim, I can't think of his name, but um, but yeah, uh, those guys and, and Keith Law does a lot of writing about uh, prospects and. They do re-rank like some – they put out some lists in the offseason. So, um, you know, I think – I and I just generally like Keith Law. I feel like he um, uh, tweets – he, like, says a lot of the right things about a lot of different things. So um, so I like him in general. So Keith Law and uh, Prospect Talk is one thing I'm thankful for. Nice. Cool. I, uh, I, I got a very similar one here. Um, I am thankful for the, so I love sports writing, um, in general. Uh, I love, always loved sports illustrated. Uh, enjoy reading the athletic. Um, and I think the best sports writer working now, at least in terms of baseball is Joe Poznanski. Uh, terrific writer. You was writing for the athletic up until about four or five months ago. Um, and now he's just doing his own thing. He's got a sub stack as they call it. Um, so I actually just subscribed on Sunday to it because I wanted to get all of his content because he doesn't give it away for free anymore. So it's like seven bucks a month. Uh, not bad. But uh, yeah, his articles are terrific. He came out with a uh, book called The Baseball 100, um, which is now in the uh, New York Times bestseller list. I think it's like number five. So it's it's a hot seller for Christmas. Um, all of those all of those articles, too. Like he wrote 100 articles about the 100 greatest baseball players, in his opinion. Um, they're all on the athletics still. I kind of wonder if at some point they'll be removed because of this book that's coming out. But it's just it's just terrific. It's just a great way to learn about baseball history. Um, you know, and maybe guys you hadn't thought that much about who are really good. He also wrote a really good book on the 1975 Cincinnati Reds. He's just a great writer, a great storyteller. Um, yeah, and, and his tweets usually are, are pretty on point, too. I, I usually find myself agreeing with most of the things he says about baseball. So, yeah, I mean, if you're unfamiliar with his work, folks, uh, check it out. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, you've, you've um, <clears throat> sung the tune of Joe Poznanski before. So that's, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, us, us Polacks have to stick together, I guess. <laughs> well, you know that. You're half Polish. So there you go. Yes. Oh, God, did you forget that I was Polish for a second there, Jim? <laughs> no, no, man. No, I didn't forget that. Didn't forget that you were at the AFL. Didn't forget okay. any of those. Any of those things. No. Uh, good, good, good. Um, let's see. So um, what do I want to go with here? I mean, again, I feel like these are kind of like there's a little bit of overlap here, but but why not? Um, yeah, I feel like this is a bit of a cop-up. I'm going with it anyway, Jack. I'm thankful for five dollar white Sox tickets even even okay. though they're still even though they're good now you can still get um we still managed to get five dollar white Sox tickets at some point this year so we, we got them in september when we should not have been able to get them yeah right um but even like uh you know so i think what i've noticed is that you have to plan a little bit ahead of time um but uh you can you can still get pretty cheap tickets. They did get a little expensive, more expensive as you got closer to the game itself, but um, it's possible to, uh, to to still get pretty cheap tickets. I, I, you know, honestly, anything under ten is pretty good, and you can definitely get get in for that for that much. Um, so yeah, so generally cheap White Sox tickets, but definitely like a four or five dollar White Sox ticket is just it's insane that you can see a major league game for that that price. Yeah, uh, it, it, it certainly is. Um, I mean, you know, practically the, the shirts you find on the discount rack there are more expensive than the actual tickets. Right. Um, yeah, and I, th this, this kind of actually ties into mine, too. Um, I'm going to go a little bit broader with it. But uh, I like, I'm thankful for having two baseball teams in, in one city here in Chicago. Uh, yeah, that's right? pretty freak. That's pretty freaking rad. Um, if, you're, if you're a baseball fan... Just in general, the you, you pretty much have a chance in a 162-game season. You could go to a game almost every night for six months because usually the teams are on the road and at home at different times. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can see baseball any night you want. Usually there's two games on to flip between 
yeah, it, it, it doesn't get any better. And not only that, but both games somehow are completely different vibes, even yep. though it's just it's just baseball. Uh, the Cubs is just totally different than, like you said, the Sox being the Sox. It's a it's a way different crowd. It's it's almost like you're watching a different sport. It's just it's just so so different the the vibe. But uh, yeah, that it's a hell of a thing, and it's you know one train ride. You take it 45 minutes. You're at the you're at another game. You, you can't you can't beat it. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. Well said, Jack. I that did occur to me at some point. Like uh, growing up, I feel like I I never really appreciated it. But um, yeah, I think for the podcast it occurred to me it's like yeah geez we're lucky that we can go to both of these games uh both major league teams i mean you could see every team in one season if you want to without leaving your city so i mean that's pretty awesome um i mean that would be crazy if you lived in like a nl only uh you know city and you you know you could only see mike trout like once every you'd only have the opportunity to see him like once every three years or however often and not even that like once every maybe six years um, depending on the schedule, you know. Yeah, so. and if he's and if he's hurt, which right, is yeah. like always. Right, right, right. So there's that too. But um, but yeah. So yeah, that is that is huge. Um, and um, you know, when we think about doing this podcast, yeah, it would be a lot different if we only had like one team to to pick from. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually hadn't thought about the impact that would have had on the podcast. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, that was four for each of us. Like I said, Jeremy told you this would be kind of a fast one. It's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving week. Um, what's what's the what's the last one you got? Yeah. So last one I got here, Jack, um, is um, you know, believe me when I say this, but uh, I'm thankful for uh, a no pressure Cubs team. Um, <laughs> like, would I like them to be World Series contenders? Sure, but there's something about like watching a, a, a low stakes Cubs team. Um, and you can just kind of like, you know, it's, it's kind of like watching a Sox game um, and, and kind of like seeing like what kind of oddball guys they might trot out. But, you know, it's also a chance right now, like they, they have a good farm team. So um, it's kind of like, it's all gravy. It's like, you know, it was good to see like Keegan Thompson start a game and, you know, if he pitched, like, three good innings, that was great. And, of course, they'd march him out there for a fourth or fifth, and then he, he maybe would give up three or four runs. But it's like uh-huh. it's not about those two innings. It's more about, like, the first three, you know. So, um, you know, it's good to, like, look for positives. And then when the negatives happen, you can kind of write it off because it's like, well, that's not part of the development necessarily. Or or the neg- the, the, the rough spots are part of the development, and you just kind of, like, you almost are glad they're going through them now. So then maybe they figure it out when they're ready to contend. So um, in a way, like having um, a little less pressure is, is a little easier for a, for a viewer. Um, it, it was, it was intense there for a couple of years. Um, just like trying to get playoff tickets or like making sure your October was completely free because you needed to like watch be home for playoff games and stuff. And so um, it's, it's a, it's a different vibe. Uh, for sure, but uh, the, those are the the positives I'm choosing to look at. Yeah, and and it's smaller smaller crowds at Wrigley Field too. Um, yeah, uh, which is it's like, hey, I'm sure that pisses the Ricketts off, which is which is nice. <laughs> um, but also the the last half of this season, the last couple Cubs games we went to, that was maybe some of the most fun I had at Cubs games. Uh, yeah. we, we you know we went and we got out of the box, we sat in the bleachers which was fun for a completely no-stakes Twins-Cubs game. Yep. That Pirates that Pirates game we went to on that Friday afternoon, that was fun, seeing Anthony Alford hit two homers, and it just kind of didn't matter who won. Uh, that, yeah, that was great. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it, uh, yeah, and then, you know, you can see, like, guys like Schwindel and uh, Patrick Wisdom, you know, kind of try to, try to make a name for themselves. And uh, I'm starting to sound like that guy from the <laughs> – <laughs> the, the, the Giants fan from this week in baseball. Yes. yes. <laughs> see Patrick, see Patrick Wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> see Patrick Wisdom make a name for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, excellent. I love it. Uh, cool. I got a uh, – so for my last one here, Jeremy, what was that uh, – so, so I'm going to quote Rich Salamander, who was on the podcast, uh, you know, some weeks ago. What was that game we were playing on your birthday where we were doing the, that draft of Chicago things? Oh, I mean, it, that was just um, something I stole from a, a very popular podcast. But it was just – we were just drafting Chicago things, basically. Okay. Just like a top – five roster of or top 10 roster of just Chicago things either like landmarks 
establishments, whatever. Uh, yeah, and then Rich Rich had the very last pick of the of the last round or whatever, and he he was like he was like I need to go with something all encompassing, uh, you know, like I need it to be like you know symbolic of wh- whatever. I don't know where he was going with it. I don't remember what he picked. I, I think it was everybody was disappointed with it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was yeah, but it was good. The thought it was the the thought behind it was good. So I guess for the last thing, I want to say uh, I'm thankful for the off season actually. Um, because it, it, you know, it makes you appreciate uh, having a baseball season, but it also gives you a chance to focus on other things too, um, like basketball or you know, or football or like you know, family or whatever. But like you know, um, you you got other things to focus on, so you know, you, you can kind of take a break from baseball, and then it seems fresh again when it comes back in you know, late in February when pitchers and catchers report. You can kind of get excited again, and I don't think you would have that excitement. Or that appreciation for the fact that a season is going on if you didn't have the the dark days of winter which we're in right now um that's for sure um yeah it's uh yeah i mean that's an interesting one the, the off season i i you know i think i honestly f- part of the um the impetus for doing this podcast is was to help kind of like us myself and then us and then maybe even some other baseball fans get through the off season. Like I initially my like an, I had an initial thought for like a baseball project to do with you, Jack was to like, maybe do like a, a, a blog where we, you know, posted something uh, either every day of the, it's like, it was just from like the last day of the, the first day of the off, off season to like the first day of like, you know, the, the regular season or spring training or whatever um, just to keep people like just to, tie us to, to bring us through uh the off season which especially in chicago can be can be rough because it's cold and dark um but uh yeah it's good to just have like these like kind of mile markers to to, to like to these checkpoints to get us through right so there's like um when the world series ends there's like you know maybe the maybe the arizona fall league there's like free mm-hmm. agent uh time there's um, the Rule Five draft, I guess. If people get excited about that, you got to be a real fan to get to be excited about that. But oh, there's the, the winter, the winter meetings too, which are yeah. which are not happening this year. Right, the winter meetings for sure, and then like you know, pitchers, catchers report. Honestly, sometimes some of the darkest times is when pitchers and catchers report like right afterwards, because then it's still a couple weeks before spring training games. Um, so it's like, but you can at least know it's like okay, well, they're getting underway. We just can't see any of it yet, but. But yeah, it can be it can be tough, but uh, it can also like it definitely at, at the very least it builds anticipation for the next year, like you said. So yeah, right, absolutely. Um, well, that yeah, I think that's a pretty good list of things to be thankful for. We don't want to we don't want to be thankful for too much, you know. <laughs> right, that would, that would definitely be a cramp of, of our style. Yes, for sure. So nice. Well, well, I think we may or may not have another event to go to next week. Um, we'll see. Uh, but until that happens, uh, I'm Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble.